Definitely gonna have to replace that one because all I can hear is your dogs moving around. Yeah. So Piper likes it when I sing, and so then she came up next to me and was walking on the little like rolly pad, like trying to like get some love, and I was like, get out of here. <laughs> Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doc 2 for the very first time. My name's Jake, with me are those couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and our producer, Terry. This week we're here to talk about The Edge of Destruction, written by David Whitaker, directed by Richard Barton and Frank Cox. Took two people to do this one. Aired February 8th <laughs> and 15th, 1964. Cody, please, in 20 seconds... Give no. me. I don't know, your Jake. Jake, <laughs> I don't know. Plot synopsis. I don't. On your mark. I don't know. Get set. Good. There's a big explosion. The TARDIS is sick, but nobody knows what's going on. Everybody falls down on the ground and goes unconscious. Everybody wakes up. They're like, you. The doctor's like, no, you. And the Susan's like, I'm going to fucking stab you. And then, like, the doctor comes back and is like, I got tea. And then everybody's fine. And then Time. next episode <laughs> at Drake Ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, man. This plot. What do you think no of this sense. one, Cody? I the okay, so after I thought about it for a while, I was like, okay, there's some pretty cool stuff in here, but the limitations of the time to my zoomer brain makes it garbage. But, you are not a Zoomer. Boom, zoo, uh, Gen Z. But it's still like, come on, go, go, go. Millennial. Michael Bay. More explosions, like some plot. But this one really, I'll get into it. It was fine. It's still old who they had really good idea. But the limitations of the time do not appeal to my 1990 born brain. Sam. Um. I feel like there was no plot. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, did you like it? <laughs> that, was, that was the question. Oh, um, not really. I already know the answer to this. Jill, what'd you think? No. <laughs> no, you didn't give me the yes or no version that you gave Sam. What did I think? I think... Like Cody said, there's good ideas here, just couldn't get behind them. Someone please point out these good ideas. I loved, I like, okay, I didn't love. I don't mind <laughs> a, a TARDIS-inclusive episode for the, like, gaining knowledge, especially early on in Doctor Who. I think there could have been, like, a lot of education here and a lot of background and team building, like, getting to know the companions or the, the TARDIS team of right now and i think we got a little bit of each of those items but not enough for it to be a tardis inclusive story terry i appreciated what they tried doing 
Uh, I was not thrilled with the episode. Alex? Oh, Alex is the first one that it's your first time. Yep. I have not seen this one before, and I probably don't need to see it again. Yes, he did during all of episode two. Oh, yeah. I fell asleep and then had to watch it, like rewatch episode two uh, right before this. Hey, BB, welcome to the family. Yep. Yep. No, that's fine. Everyone can know our name. I hope Jake just edits out. Welcome to the family. (laughs) (laughs) Our actual names aren't really out there anywhere anyway, so. (laughs) Hold on. Are you telling us you're giving us fake names? (laughs) Yes. Said, uh episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they all have to go to Rose's apartment and it's like super nice and pretty and all of her neighbors are like, oh, she's such a lovely person and her landlord's <laughs> like, yeah, she's kind of talkative but she's really nice. <laughs> and then she's like talking to some bad guy on the phone and she's like, you'll never you'll never find me. I'll disappear. Like, this apartment is owned by a shell corporation. My neighbors think my name is like jennifer johnson my co-workers think my name is rosa diaz (laughs) and everyone's like what (laughs) all right uh david from the neither time nor space podcast when i asked what everyone thought about this one said it's bonkers and brilliant and i won't hear a word against it so david turn it off (laughs) he doesn't listen to this anyway um (laughs) New friend of the pod, BT Fliberty Gigget at your cool 91 said, Susan gets to go stabby stabby. Ian continues to spiral in his paranoid dick measuring contest with the doctor. And Barbara continues to be the most reasonable person on the show. It's hilarious, bizarre, and I love it with all my heart. I mean, all of those things were correct, except for the loving part. I mean, they can (laughs) love it, but. I still like Ian. Like he said, he was just measuring or comparing dicks with the doctor, whatever that wording was, that one that he said. <laughs> I still like Ian and I still hate the doctor. I feel the like doctor... Ian's like, Ian's trying to do things and he's trying to move forward and solve problems. And the doctor's just angry. The doctor just doesn't seem to care about anyone else. But this episode. I think we're starting to see some character development of the doctor. Yeah, it's there is like this is like a turning point and you can see it in the very last scene between him and Barbara. That was like a little overboard, though. (laughs) And then he like tries to hold hands with Ian, not hold hands, but like (laughs) lock arms. It was a bit much of a character development. If He just just accused both of them of like trying to murder them and steal their ship. Like he's (laughs) it's a mea culpa. But it is, like, going forward, the Doctor is different from these first three stories. Good. So it is, <laughs> there, there is, like, a, a point to this. And also, like we kind of touched on last week, their initial, like, episode order was for four episodes, and then they got 13 but the Dalek story was seven episodes, so they had two they had to fill, and they had no money. So they had David Whitaker, the script editor, 
he wrote this in two days <laughs> and you he wasn't allowed <laughs> he wasn't allowed any sets and he wasn't allowed any actors so he got the TARDIS set and the four four main cast members yeah you could get a shift on you could kind of tell um uh shit what's his name John Hartman no who's who's the doctor nope who's the actor <laughs> William Hartnell Hartnell you could tell that he wasn't super comfortable in the script because there were a lot of stutterings and like restarts and yeah, it just oh he was he was pissed when they first got the script because it was so wordy because there's no action like it's all just talking yeah, yeah. and so he got that and he was like what the fuck is this and they just have <laughs> to kind of do the best they can. I will say the the monologue of the shot coming in on the doctor when he was at the console was really cool, but yeah, that was a lot of words. Yeah. I agree with that. We'll get into all that in a minute. But first, I was meant to do this up top. Out of 156 stories, Alex, where in the Doctor Who magazine poll for just classic stories did this one fall? Uh, I'm going to go with 150, John. Uh, Jill? Out of how many stories? 156. Hmm. Ugh, gosh, I don't know. Okay. I feel like people of the time, of that time, obviously didn't have a lot to watch. It's not 156 of the time, though. It's 156 (laughs) at the 50th. Because at the time, this would be the third Yeah, this is people voting in 2013. 125. Cody? 96. What? <laughs> so weird. Come on, man. Sam. I haven't gotten to my spiel yet. 137. Terry? 132. Jake? Well, I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's 114. Oh, oh shit. Hey, BB, I'll take my check in the form of Applebee's bucks. <laughs> there are. 11 first doctor stories lower on the list than this one including the one we're watching for next time <laughs> hell no including brother. the one you're watching for next time and we'll <laughs> see you the week after how, Alex how and I legit been like the next one doing this podcast like do we get benefits yet can I take vacation <laughs> agreed <laughs> I did ask Jake yesterday if we're still doing this like it was right after we finished watching this I was like are we still doing classic who <laughs> I feel bad for the listeners because we're just like, this was bad. This is why it's bad. (laughs) No, people love telling people why they're wrong. (laughs) Fair. I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of people your guys' age watching Classic Who for the first time and like starting with the first Doctor, and they're all pretty positive about this one. Maybe you guys are just dumb. I mean, highly <laughs> possible. It's the so this is like a really the ends justify the rest of the shit that happens. You got to look at like all the stuff they saw, and I think they kind of hit it on the head with uh, John Berman talking like when they lowered the lights, <laughs> and he's like, "It's the birth <laughs> of a galaxy," and then when Bill Hartnell started to talk about. <laughs> Like, it wasn't a galaxy exploding, it was the galaxy coming together. And then you find out the reason 
everything went crazy is because the TARDIS was stuck in reverse this whole fucking time. They're zooming back in time perpetually because of the button getting stuck. And and as you watch the episode, you can get s- stuck, <laughs> no pun intended, on the fact that that's a Liar. stupid fucking gimmick <laughs> that the button's just stuck. I think they could have done a little bit more science fiction-y there. But is it backwards or forwards? It I was actually really like that. Because it was to the birth of a galaxy. So they were going co- just constantly backwards. And the TARDIS was doing everything, including like hypnotizing Ian and like knocking everybody out and showing the pictures and opening and closing the doors. Those are all cool ideas. But it's n- fucking 1774 and... The cinematography is garbage, <laughs> and they're doing oh, cigar I completely birds. disagree about the cinematography. I think you this, think it's the good. First, the first episode is directed extremely well, and it looks amazing. And the choices that, um, pull up notes. The choices that Richard Martin makes are incredible, and it's so much better than the second episode where Frank Cox takes over. Throw, I'm dismissing your bad cinematography complaint. Okay. Bad cinematography. I mean, it might just look fuzzy is... because you have a 60 inch TV in 2021, <laughs> and this was meant to be seen on a 13 inch black and white TV. Okay. I was not like the camera shots and the angles, but the way the script is written is just like in today's knowledge base, it's fucking dumb. That's that's the part that was getting me was like the storyline and the like the way they were telling the story. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I, why I were was they too passing dumb. out and why did she have a headache and why it that just didn't make sense to me. That it's kind of hard, but it was the TARDIS being alive and fucking with them to try and save their lives. To I think to like get them off i think the tardis was trying to get them off the tardis that's why it was showing them pictures of like an environment that you can exist in so that's why the tardis was but i i suppose the tardis was like opening the door and then if you walk to it closing so i don't know yeah it was just trying to warn them and why was was it shocking anyone who touched touched the council because it wanted them to find the button not Co- it's a it's a console. I, I, but, uh, I corrected myself. I got there. <laughs> I edited the first one where you said council. Because he's like Dude. every every button would like shock you or make you feel ill except for this one if button. If you went near the button that needed to be fixed, it was trying to tell you where you needed to go. Yeah. So that's like it's that's not bad. Like as a plot, <laughs> that's kinda cool. But yeah. fuck black and white. 1776 shit, man. <laughs> Time Lord technology is rusted uh, springs. It's great. Yeah. that That's just, that feels so bad to get through both the episodes and then it's a rusted spring, you see? Let me take this off and click and we're good. And that just feels bad. But I do love the fact that it was a stuck button. Like, I think that was ingenious. Descriptively, it all makes sense then. You're like, because at that point, you're like, ah, they're flying back in time forever. And they're five minutes away, like the brink of destruction. They're five minutes away from the creation of the galaxy, a giant paradox where nothing could possibly exist, and the disintegration of everything. Suddenly, it all makes sense. But you have to sit there and be like, what the fuck is this garbage? (laughs) Okay, the part that I cannot stop thinking about is Susan. 
and the scissors. Yes. Yeah, what was why? Susan's fucking creepy. Here's, here's yes. why. So here's why. Weird. Because Susan's a shitty character and needs to be kicked off the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like she this is the best she's ever been. And like stabs and then falls down and then they zoom in on the scissors. That whole scene was weird. <laughs> That's cinematography. Cinematography. Jake. But talk speaking about the cinematography of the first episode, there's like three scenes where Susan's just creeping in the background <laughs> and just like staring right at the camera and just being a little <laughs> creep monger. But uh, we, there's like three times where somebody is shown being passed out. Like the first one is Ian. You see him passed out in the chair and then it cuts over to the side where everybody's talking and then it cuts back to that same shot like the camera hasn't moved and Ian standing up and fully awake and they do that with Susan and they do that with the doctor and it's so like unnerving and just like really well done for you know a tea time family show and why did Ian have to be in a robe they went to bed the girls were wearing moo-moos. Oh, yeah. The, that costume change was real weird. So as a denizen of 2021, the concept of, of moo-moo is pretty foreign. I thought oh, that go... was like some space-age roby shit. Oh, go, what? go see what my mom wears to bed. It's basically <laughs> the same thing. I've never seen what your mom wears to bed. <laughs> is it just like a nightgown, but big? Is that what a moo-moo is? But yeah. And long. Aren't Moo's like full length? And it must be just fucking freezing on the TARDIS because Ian's like all wrapped up and <laughs> maybe because their beds are set 17 inches wide and they have to just bundle <laughs> yeah. up so they don't move. But he doesn't have pants on, so it's still kind of warm. It's because the TARDIS is made for lovers. Oh, true. <laughs> Unless you're Amy and Rory. Or especially <laughs> Amy and Rory. Yeah, they conceived River on there. Yeah, they had Spoiler bunk beds, alert. but also... <laughs> what, you never bang in a bug bed? <laughs> Alex is laughing because we had bunk beds. <laughs> Man, I was trying to think of... I was going to mention something, but then like this just kept being funny. I didn't want to interrupt, and now I forgot. <laughs> I, I really did like... Uh, like the all. Let me start over. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, nope. Start no, in the middle. Keep, keep okay. all that in there, and then cut out the rest of this. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just hear Terry stumbling over his words, and then just a loud bang, and then we'll never hear him again. <laughs> um. The all of the actors I feel really showed, um, a lot of stretch in their characters just from the cutesy sweetness that Susan would have and then her dark side as soon as she's like possessed if you will um, and yeah. the same with Ian Sign too from going from the macho dickhead into like a weird like pansy boy type of thing and then just like just flipping back and forth like that was just really fun to watch Terry they're actors and they're paid to act <laughs> I know Thank but you, this Jill. was like Jesus a fun like development compared to like, other episodes where they're just their character the entire time. They don't really have to be a different person. 
So there's a series of interviews called The Myth Makers that Nicholas Briggs does. And starting like in the 80s and goes through the 90s and into the early 2000s. And he interviews like everyone who ever did anything on Doctor Who. And he, all three of these actors, um, well, William Hartnell had passed, but, and so had Jacqueline Hill, but her husband does an interview talking about her time on Doctor Who. And they all without fail cite this as one of their favorite episodes for the reason that they actually got to act. Did they? Well, compared to the rest of the show where they're just like exclaiming and punching. <laughs> I think that's Susan in every episode. Um, speaking of the scissor scene, um, not between Barbara and Susan, it's but like, with the whoa, Jake, come on, <laughs> not scissor ring scene. That's your fanfic, <laughs> not the episode we watched. It is not my fanfic, but I guess I'm I'm willing to bet we wouldn't have to look very hard. <laughs> um, so Verity Lambert, producer of the show, had to write an apology letter to the BBC Children's Department because of that scene. They thought it was too violent and unwise to show a teenager wielding scissors as a weapon. Oh man. You know what we let Pod Baby 1 watch yesterday? <laughs> Too much of the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough of the Matrix. He, he seemed a little nervous from that. No 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 no. He's growing <laughs> and learning. He is unfazed from Doctor Who so far, except the Daleks. Yes. <laughs> They're She's supposed still to be of scary. Them? Exterminate. Uh, he didn't watch the last episodes with us. We should have. Sh- I don't think he would have been afraid of those ones, though. We should have tested it. We'll test it on the next one the Daleks come up. Hey, Terry. What? In the first episode, before they go to sleep and change clothes, is Babs wearing leather pants with holes down the side? Because fuck yes. <laughs> it's it's the same pants from the previous story. Right? I didn't notice them in the previous story. Yeah. What? Yeah. I specifically requested Terry's presence to discuss the costumes from the previous story. Terry, go watch the Daleks and get back to us. Okay. It's seven episodes <laughs> of Walking Through Caves. That's like the ladies in the forest, right? They wore the ones with the holes down the side. Uh, well, the, or did the guys did. I don't, I don't oh. know. Like the ladies, wait, did the ladies in the forest have those pants or Maybe, did they have skirts? No, they didn't have those pants. I don't remember what they had, yeah, but did so she guys, do a pants swap? She did, because she started with a skirt, and then she got the pants, which maybe that's canon for her and that dude banged. Oh, definitely. Uh, I wish she got his that. pants. She took his pants? Yeah. <laughs> and they fit perfectly. She's like, yeah, my ass looks great in these. <laughs> Peace out, jungle boy. <laughs> Jungle fuckboy. Jungle fuckboy. I like this uh, version of Married to Who because we talked 0% about the actual episode. <laughs> it was two episodes. What do you want? Is I it like it. Companionhood of the Traveling Pants. There you go. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, this remains, to this day, the cheapest story ever to produce at 2,500 pounds, which would be, today in American, about $63,000. Nice. I could almost produce it. Blam. Take my house. 
I'm just saying we should recreate the scissor scene. The scissor scene. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I feel weird. <laughs> As yeah, you hey, Sam, can you just keep this shit to yourself from now on? <laughs> <laughs> Sam's really into the scissoring. I just, I can't get over it. <laughs> that's all I think about, night and day. <laughs> I do think from that scene, that's where Peter Capaldi got the inspiration for his hair in Doctor Who. He saw... He went back and watched Edge of Destruction and was like, ah, oh, that's that's the trick. I'm going to start growing my hair out. <laughs> yeah. Because Susan's hair is insane. <laughs> Just oh, like her. I, so when the doctor had his bandage on, it had like a bunch of stripes on it. And then throughout the story, it was getting less stripes. Yeah. And I thought that was going to be a plot point where like... They mentioned if, it. If he still has... If he still has stripes, he's still going to be, like, acting crazy. And then until it's <laughs> solid white, then he'll be, like, the doctor again. But that wasn't the thing. Yeah. They said that as it as the wound heals, it turns white. So once it's all white, yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's like, he's not healed. He's still crazy. You know? <laughs> like, that's what I was hoping. Cody and I were pointing that out, too. They're like, oh, he, they swapped the bandage. That was cool. And then they never did it again. No, they didn't. <laughs> right. Do we ever find out why Susan is with the doctor? A granddaughter. Yeah, but where are her parents? Oh, I don't know. Probably in the sane asylum where Susan belongs. <laughs> Probably. He just doesn't seem very into Susan. Like, he's not the kind of person like, oh, your parents are away? Why don't you travel with me? Like, oh he doesn't give a shit about Susan. This is legit Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> like I just realized. Like I know, I know Rick and Morty was a parody off of Doctor Who, but this is legitimate. Like grandfather, grandson, a granddaughter, but like that's hilarious. I think Susan's pretty in line with the Morty. With the Morty, yeah. <laughs> just a real oh, useless. Oh, jeez, grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to stick it up there real deep, Susan. <laughs> if you guys ever watched Community, go watch it again now that you know stuff about Doctor Who and just see all the Doctor Who references in it. So if we like, never do. watched it, we should not go back. Dude, I love it's, Community it's is great. It's so good. But it's the same uh, creator as Rick and Morty. Ooh, okay. Back <laughs> on board. You you weren't going to watch Community? Are you serious? She I hasn't yet. Man. We have like just barely gotten through the first season of uh whatever that other show is it's always sunny oh yeah well you're broken if you don't think that's funny <laughs> <laughs> it's fine season you don't have to watch it. season two season two really pops off with danny devito it's it's great i think we're yeah. in season two and four. like like everything else, once it gets to season 32, who fucking cares anymore? Oh, <laughs> What's Community on? Netflix. Nice. It's NBC, so it might be on Peacock by now. No. The one we don't have. I really did like the part of the TARDIS coming into play with it because everything that we know now from new who about the TARDIS is super interesting to me. So this is like the beginning of it all. I really like the TARDIS set. Yeah. Like it's, 
those eventually like all the computer banks go away like the food maker goes away it really just becomes like that main room for a lot of it but uh i like how this particular tardis set and how it changes like they got rid of one of the walls and just put like a a picture of a wall <laughs> up <laughs> because they needed like more space because this was the only and they, they're gonna keep that like one of the walls is always just a picture of a wall <laughs> for a while <laughs> I do not remember that. But if it's between this TARDIS and Jodie Whittaker's TARDIS, I'm taking this one a thousand percent of the time. <laughs> oh, no. I thought it was cool that they had the swinging doors into the side room. Like, they, it just gave the TARDIS yeah. a little bit more depth. Getting deep and in that TARDIS. We got to see, like, where they sleep. Yeah. Apparently, they'll sleep together in one room. On <laughs> <laughs> fucking, like, hide beds that are... Or what do you call those, like Murphy beds, but they're like chaise lounges? Is that the room that the scissors happened in? Yeah. Yeah. Let it go, Sam. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Is that, ah. okay, but she was on like, <laughs> what do they, a fainting couch, isn't that what they call those? I don't know. That well, she did faint. so uncomfortable to sit in, or lay in, or sleep in. But how what? comfortable is it to scissor in? Those were the same couches that are in the Cutter Airport for, like, everybody. Okay, the one in the TARDIS was probably a little fancier. Well, smelled better. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, rip Cutter, but, like, they've, they've got their own problems. <laughs> Goddamn. Cody, who's your MVP? Ah, uh, Jake, you are. I don't count. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's the name of that girl that funds this whole fucking thing? What? What's Verity her name? Verity Lambert. Verity Lambert. Thank you She's for... She's the producer. Thank she doesn't you, pay for it. Verity Lambert for keeping this shit going after this series right here of two episodes appreciate you for hanging in there and keeping up the production uh, if i had to pick you do it would be a set designer because for 1776 the set's pretty fucking baller he can't remember anything except this fake date that he came up with i remember well, it, everything it's also like america's birthday like he keeps picking <laughs> did, you, did you see when he got the tardis up and running the sheer amount of electro the doors suck ass but all the electronics that they got going on there for how old this is i'm i'm into it oh bt dub the doors are like that until new who like, they were never just actually the doors, because it's supposed to be an illusion. Those doors aren't real. Damn. This is literally just a yardstick glued to those. Like, all right, close the doors, Jim. No, at the same speed as me. Ah, oh, fuck it. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> no, it, it literally is two men on the other side pushing them. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For sure it is. Like, they, they show it in that uh, docudrama. Hopefully, after some practice, they can get some, like... Well, the, the designer's Raymond Cusick... Same guy who created the Daleks. I don't think he designed the the whole TARDIS set because that would have been a freestanding set already. But maybe he did a lot to like add some shit. I I'm gonna give everybody who's listening a pro tip, and it's I will probably never pick an actor as an MVP this entire series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how wrong you are! I well. 
Good. Good. That's good. It's good to hear. Jill, who's your MVP? Do I have to have one? <laughs> yes. Uh, set design. <laughs> Ray Cusick again, who I gave my MVP last time. And if it's a really cheap set, no, they already have the set. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's a free set. <laughs> Got it. Big props on the set design pick. Appreciate it. Literally, there are big props on this. It's a great joke. <laughs> Boo. We have two out of three episodes, I have to give Cody money to go turn off Sam's mic. <laughs> <laughs> Terry? I'm going to give mine to Susan. I think she actually did incredibly well in this episode. Carol Ann Ford. Give Susan a proper send-off. Bring her back on the show. She's still alive. Let's do this. <laughs> Alex? Billy Heartthrob. <laughs> yeah, boy. He, he, like, he was struggling, but he, he got through it, and he killed that monologue. Like, that was, that was good. And I'm giving mine to Richard Martin, director of episode one. He also directed the final three episodes of Daleks. So he's doing like a four episode block, which is why they had to bring in Frank Cox for the last episode. Frank Cox, by the way, directs, I think, three episodes, but he's the only Doctor Who director to never direct a whole serial. <laughs> like he just comes in and like spot checks these episodes here and there. Sweet. I don't have to have an MVP. Oh, no, you had one. Cody, who did Sam pick? <laughs> Set design. <laughs> Sam, who's your MVP? Um, as much as I didn't think I would say this, I'm going to say writing for developing the TARDIS and character development for the Doctor. Susan. Susan. <laughs> David Whitaker, the story editor who, to avoid confusion with the unions, took his name off as the editor. And just put his name on as the writer, which, okay, fine. <laughs> he still got paid. Um, for next time, we had a little debate last week over whether we were going to watch the reconstructions. Or two weeks ago when we did this. Um, we didn't decide anything. We just kind of talked about it. I am making a decision that we are not. Okay. So, the next story is Marco Polo. We ain't watching it because it doesn't fucking exist. But just today, they announced the first animation of a completely missing first Doctor story that is coming out in 2021. So that's exciting, because they've done like six or seven second Doctor stories. Now they're finally getting into the first Doctor. Hell so yeah. maybe one day we'll come back to Marco Polo. But the next story is six episodes... Written by Terry Nation, who wrote the Daleks. Ooh, our very own Terry Nation. It's the Keys of Marinus. And then for the future of the pod, um, we have it's starting to become pretty clear that series 13 is gonna premiere on Halloween. That's probably what it the premiere date will be. What? And then like six next month? Yeah. What? It'll be six episodes, so it'll go to, like, early November, like, November 5th or something like that. Um, 
So that gives us three more recording days in between now and then. So we've got Keys of Marinus, the Aztecs, and the Sensorites. Two of those. So Alex and I like all three of those. We've seen them. Two of them are below Edge of Destruction in this Doctor Who magazine poll. So Doctor Who fans can just fuck off. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, and then we'll take a break to watch the new series. So six weekly episodes where, and we'll figure out how we're going to do that. Cause it's going to involve some chicanery and some illegal downloading or some VPN stuff, but, uh, we'll figure it out. And then we'll come back to doing these. We'll have three more to go. The reign of terror, planet of giants and the Dalek invasion of earth. And that's going to bring us into the middle of January and that's kind of like a good stopping point if we wanted to like do something else. Or we could keep going. We could just talk about it then. But like uh, Sam had brought up maybe doing a season of Torchwood, you know, just to break it up and come back to Doctor Who or whatever. And something not like watch that. old Doctor Who for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it does get really good. I'm excited for the next episode, next series or Isn't story. Isn't this next story like 12 episodes long? No, six. Six. We oh, I like yeah. just said it like twenty five seconds ago. But it's really good and it doesn't feel like six, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's it's a quest story. So every episode takes place in a different place. And like it it's like, oh, we have to get this thing. They there's a problem, they solve it, they get the thing, and then they have to go to the next place. So oh, it's really nice. well broken up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real good. And the yeah, and so this one's six, the one after that is four, and the one after that is six. So kind of get more used to that kind of being <laughs> the where where these are. And in the 60s, they're doing like 42 to 45 episodes a year. So the 60s do take a really long time to get through. <laughs> but a huge chunk of them are missing, so you got that to look forward to. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> like, most of the first... Do so the first Doctor is three seasons. Most of the third season is completely missing. But almost all of the first season is there, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Alex, do a song. This is Dan Married Who. Our episode on The Edge of Destruction. Uh, if you want to tweet us, you do so at Married Who Pod on Twitter. If you want to listen to our back catalog of episodes, you can do that on our website, marriedtohoo.com. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody Sam, Jill, Alex, producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for The Keys of Marinus. Be <laughs> <laughs>